Alright everybody, good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Heading into the last week of August here, Wiz, and uh, boy oh boy, there is no shortness of news. We, uh, we were expected to sit down today uh, and discuss kind of what we thought was the fallout from uh, week two of the NFL uh, preseason sk- slate, uh, and we've woken up today to a lot more news and a, a lot of things to discuss, and uh, I think we're going to get right to it, Wiz. I hope you're well, and um, you know, I, I think we'll break it up by, uh, by each conference, and we'll start with the AFC. So uh, first off, how are you doing? And uh, we'll get right to it with the AFC East. Yeah, doing uh, doing doing well, and uh, there, there's just been a ton of stuff between injuries, uh, developments at quarterback, um, with quarterbacks being named starter, all, all kinds of things going on. So yeah, let's get to it. And uh, where do you want to go to first? Yeah, so you know, I, I did want to talk before all this started in the AFC, kind of the way the Patriots look. You know, I think the Patriots have kind of fallen a little bit behind in this division, you know, just in terms of uh, level of excitement around the team, you know, in the post Tom Brady era, uh, people definitely excited about the Buffalo Bills and what they did last year and everything that's happening down in Miami. And even with the Jets taking Zach Wilson, but New England getting a little bit, I would say a little bit less attention. Uh, Yes, they did draft Mac Jones. It's been interesting watching both him and Cam Newton, who've both been playing relatively well. Uh, And I think the biggest news today is what we saw this morning with Sony Michelle being dealt over to the Los Angeles Rams and what this will mean for the Patriots backfield, which definitely has a lot more clarity than it did before uh, before all of this started. So so I guess what I'd ask, Wiz, you, you feel pretty certain at this point in time that it's going to be Cam, uh, who's going to start the season as quarterback. Now he's got this latest kind of uh, hiccup with his uh, with, with the COVID protocols that uh, he's going to be out for five days. So it gives Mac Jones a little bit of a leg up here, uh, especially going into week three of the, of the preseason. And then with the Sony Michelle, which I think will mean a lot for both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson in terms of what they're going to be doing on the football field this season. Yeah, I think the the thing with Cam Newton, Cam Newton looked terrific in his last preseason game. I mean, I was looking for different things, and he checked all the boxes. Uh, he had good velocity on the ball and even, you know, some deep throws um, with, with velocity. So he looked good. I'm not sure what the latest thing is going to mean. Uh but, you know, uh, he looked good. And, he, you know, yeah, the running back trade is interesting. I think it really gives a feeling that the Patriots are ready to hand it over first on first down, second down, at least to Damian Harris. But the one player that I have to say on offense that just watching it, like I, I took note of and I, and I was making some notes during the game is Jacoby Myers looks like a different guy to me. Uh, and I'm not sure it's because he has – an upper hand in terms of familiarity with Cam Newton, but he just has a look of a different guy who's playing with more confidence. I haven't spoken to you about this at all. I don't know if you saw that, if you had the same take, if you disagreed or anything, but when I was watching it, I was saying, wow, he just, he just looks like a different guy to me. Yeah, undrafted guy out of North Carolina State. We, you know, where we remember another guy, Jericho Cotri, in the in these parts of the uh, of the country, where Cotri was a good contributor on the fantasy side of things. And and I agree with you. Uh, Myers d- looks to be the most effective guy in this offense right now. I think the familiarity is definitely part of it. And I've been noticing in a number of drafts. I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and I, you know, he's still kind of being discounted. I would say, uh, and I'm kind of happy 
happy to be taking him kind of in, in late late in snake rounds to kind of fill out my receiving core. I think um, where he's kind of being drafted right now, I don't think it kind of stands true to where I think he's going to perform in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. He just he looks like he just has the look of a different guy to me than he's been in the past. And uh, I, I know he definitely has the upper hand in terms of, like I said, you know, having the rapport with Cam Newton, but he, he just looks at that he's playing with a, a much more uh, level of confidence that, that I have not seen. So uh, that was one to keep your eye out. And then, uh, you know, in, in, within the same division as I had a few Jet fans give me a call um, over the last few days to ask me what I thought about you know, them. And uh, the one thing that stood out to me is those running backs all look good to me. They all look like they are running hard, lively, uh, and it may be a little bit maddening and frustrating uh, for fantasy owners, but uh, there's a lot to like and, uh, as far as the Jets' running game goes. And uh, they do have, they get, you know, keep that offensive line healthy, a very good offensive line. So I'm kind of liking what I've seen out of the Jets' running back. It was, you know, more of I originally thought it was going to be the wide receivers because they have a good wide receiver group, which they do, but, like, some of them haven't been on the field to use as much. But I'm really liking what I've seen out of the Jet running backs, and I know you've been high on a few of them coming into the season. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I felt that the Jets, when, when back when we go into free agency, I spoke about this. I know there was a lot of discussion around Aaron Jones, but I but I thought guys like Ty Johnson showed a lot, even P. Ryan last year when given the opportunity. Uh, we also talked about this. We thought that uh, Tevin Coleman was a perfect fit given his familiarity with the offense, and so they plugged him in as well, and, and they draft Michael Carter. So I do agree from a headache standpoint, uh, unless you get an injury, it could be very frustrating. Uh, but I think more, more so as we move through the season, and look, injuries, I don't wish injuries upon anybody, but they do happen. Uh, but th- there's going to be someone that probably will step up a- as we move through the season. But I think to start the season, I think all of these guys, as you said, every single one of them looks good. I- I've been a Ty Johnson fan ever since the Lions kind of gave up on him. And I really like the way he looked last year when he was playing for the Jets. Uh, you mentioned the improvement in the offensive line and-, and the receiving core has gotten more of the attention. But yeah, this is a good group. It's going to be probably a little frustrating for fantasy owners, but you could see somebody kind of emerge out of this pack. Yeah, and uh, the only other thoughts, I mean, are on the uh, on that AFC East is, boy, I just would like to see Zach Moss get on the field for the Bills. Um, you know, right now it's kind of been Singletary and Breida, but, you know, there's been real hopes that the second year Zach Moss would take that lead. But, boy, it's tough to trust that if the if the player can't get on the field. So I, I, I just rounding out the rest of the teams in that division, as uh, Zach Moss was interesting to me as as far as getting him on the field. And then a couple of the wide receivers for the Dolphins as well, uh, Parker and, and Will Fuller getting on the field because, you know, right now he's, he's building it up. Uh, you know, two is really building up the rapport with Gesicki. But I'd like to see those receivers on the field. You know, Fuller's going to miss the first game and Zach Moss for the Bills as well. Yeah, I agree with you on Moss, and Singletary's taking advantage of that. He's playing very well, and we know Matt Breeder is also there. Uh, you know, definitely the third wheel uh, in, in that offense at the running back position, but he's going to get opportunity if Zach Moss can't get on the field. Uh, I think with the Dolphins, too, you know, Lynn Bowden Jr., interesting, gone for the season. He had a hamstring injury. They're going to have an injury settlement with him. Uh, somebody will pick Lynn Bowden Jr. up, I will tell you that, because he's going to bounce back from a hamstring injury, but they did cut him. I know Albert Wilson had played a little bit better in the preseason. He was a 
guy that opted out last year. There are a lot of people in, in uh, you know playing receiver for the Miami Dolphins, and two has looked very good. So I, I think I think you know there's a lot of encouraging signs coming out of Miami. I know guys, uh, my my buddy Scotty, Eric Brown, these guys are going to be very happy. Looking at the Miami Dolphins, they're feeling a lot more confident about the steps that two has taken, you know, getting the reps, getting a proper preseason in place. So encouraging signs coming out of Miami for sure. Yeah, and then as far as the um, the AFC North is concerned, I think the interesting storylines are the oldest quarterback and the youngest quarterback in the division. Um, Joe Burrow going to try and give it a go this week and play, and coming off that you know that brutal injury, we'll see what you know what he looks like. That's always a little bit of a mental hurdle to climb. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger looked good. I know it looked like uh, he had a good connection with the tight end from Penn State that they drafted. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see when there's a little bit more of a pass rush on what that looks like. But uh, as far as the uh, the AFC North is concerned, to me, it's Joe Burrow uh, getting back to playing, and then. The other thing is, who's going to catch the ball in Baltimore? It doesn't look like they're, any of their top receivers are, are ready to play or have been playing. So uh, what were your overall thoughts uh, on the NFC North? Yeah, so I think I, I think Roethlisberger and, and you know look you and I spoke about this offense and this team a lot uh, you know pr- before the season started and uh, before preseason started. Um, ben Roethlisberger is going to be a cheap quarterback to own in in snake drafts and in auction drafts. Uh, he looked okay. Uh, Damian Harris has looked okay. The offensive line is playing. Uh, Najee Harris, excuse me. Um, the offensive line has looked good so far. Uh, you know maybe we have better signs here out of Pittsburgh. You know, maybe Ben Roethlisberger in potentially his final season has something to say about this division. I think your point about the pass catchers for for the Baltimore Ravens is a noteworthy one. And, you know, with with the Cincinnati Bengals, we've spoken a lot about this. Jamar Chase, you know, look, he didn't play football last year, dropped three balls the other day. I still feel Tyler Boyd's going to be the guy to own in this offense uh, from a fantasy perspective. But, yeah, I'll be excited to see Joe Burrow get on the field. And that's going to be a mental hurdle for, for Burrow as well as he's coming back from a difficult injury yeah there's there, there's no question about that and uh, as far as pass catches go for the ravens i know you're excited about that because it looks the man atop the uh, ravens depth chart at wide receiver looks to be Sammy Watkins. so i'm going to tell you this right now is i i guess watkins is above he's not i'm not a watkins guy but a guy you and i talked about a lot last year and we thought that the Green Bay Packers should have drafted this player. They never could kind of get a connection with him on the field. But I'm, I'm still keeping an eye on Devin DuVernay in this offense. And the fact that guys aren't able to get on the field, it's just going to allow a player like DuVernay to get out there and show what he can do as a football player. Very talented, very fast guy. Uh, I am curious to see if they're able to – and there's been a couple of beat writers that have said uh, that, that DuVernay has actually shown in a, in a few of these practices. That's still a guy I'm keeping my eye on. Definitely a dark horse sleeper that I don't think many people would be mentioning. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue for me is that are they going to utilize him the right way? I mean, it wasn't like they were laden with terrific receivers last year and he just couldn't get on the field. So I, I – I'm just confused as the, the the way they used him, his snap count, and all of that. But look, at, at this point, this you know can become uh, you know just a matter of who's who's healthy on the depth chart. So he's certainly uh, a player to keep an eye on as well. I agree with that. A player that I like uh, 
Texas, and I, he, could, he could do a lot of things. There's no uh, question about that. I just want to go back to um, Pittsburgh one second. I did have a laugh. You, you and I poked a little fun during the season last year at Eric Ebron. First pass the other night in the preseason game, and those uh, oven mitts came out again. He dropped the ball. So I, 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 I'm not sure that we should make light of, you know, again, it's early in the season. Fry him with catches two t- preseason, excuse me, catches two touchdowns. I'm not the biggest Ebron fan. You know, I, he's been around the league now. I know he was a very high draft pick, but the door is ajar for a guy to be consistent. We know how Roethlisberger in the past has leaned on the tight end when Heath Miller was here. I'm not saying Ebron is going to lose his job or whatever, but I think it's noteworthy mentioning that, you know, Frymouth is, is, is really the guy that's going to be taking over this position, and it could be as soon as this year. And, you know, he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He catches everything. Um, he's got terrific hands, and he's certainly uh, going to be a player that Roethlisberger looks at in the red zone and on third down plays a lot this year. And uh, what's ironic about the Ebron drop is on the play, I don't know if you remember the play specifically, but Roethlisberger scrambled like he was a rookie to get, you know, to get free of the pass rush. And then threw uh, like a pass that like, like anybody would catch. I I don't know how he dropped it, but it it wasn't a good sign. And uh, you know, I I could rest, you could rest assured that I will have zero equity in Eric Ebron uh, in all formats. Moving to the AFC South, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the AFC South. Um, headline by what the heck this is going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to play for the Texans. He hasn't been put on the commission's exempt list. Um, teams are still off making D offers. He, they, it hasn't been resolved. So I just ask you, do you let this become anyone else's problem or... Are you saying, okay, if he becomes a, a point of value, I'll take a flyer on Deshaun Watson? Yeah, look, I, I don't know what to make of it right now. I, do, I have written down Watson. Uh, that's what I have written down in my notes, you know, what to do. And I don't know what the answer is at this point in time. Now, in a number of leagues, I'm sure people are going to take chances and draft him. You know, I think both of us kind of feel that I'm going to leave it to somebody else to do that. Uh, I, I don't know. Is, is he going to be standing on the sidelines watching? I mean, because the legal stuff doesn't look like it's going to have any clarity anytime soon. But at the same time, we know he doesn't want to play for them. So, and certainly the Texans don't, don't they're not putting them out there either. So I, I don't know what to make of this one. This is, this is one of the more mysterious things that we have seen ever going into a regular season in the, in the NFL. It certainly is. And then, you know, injuries have just become such a big factor already. And uh, the Colts and Jags are going the wrong way here. The Colts um, looks like Carson Wentz is a full goal for week one. Most importantly, looks like Nelson is a full goal for week uh, one as well. Uh, Kelly. And uh, it looks like all systems go. Jonathan Taylor back in my book where he was ranked before. I know you had him move back uh, when we did this podcast, I think a few weeks ago. But uh, and I, I I agreed with that, but he's right back in the mix uh, inside certainly the top ten and maybe even close to the top seven at running back. And the Jags suffered a brutal loss with the loss of Travis Etienne, and I believe that made James Robinson kind of like a flex starter to right now where he is right smack in the middle of running back two. 
what are your overall impressions with the uh, Colts and Jags injuries? Yeah, it's so a great news for the Colts, no, no question about it. And, and getting him on the field quicker is, is fantastic for Wentz. You know, chemistry still needs to be built up uh, with his receivers. So uh, cer- something certainly to be uh, happy about if you're a Colt fan. And I think it makes uh, it makes life, uh, life a lot easier as an owner of uh, fantasy players in this offense. Um, yeah, you know, James Robinson, you know, you can make the argument. Yes, I know Carlos Hyde is there. I think they have uh, that kid. Um, they, they do have a pass catching back. Uh, what's his name? Dare? Ogobale. So yeah. he is there. Uh, James Robinson showed that he could catch the ball out of the backfield last year. So I think, you know, for fantasy owners right now, my confidence level for James Robinson, uh, being an owner of him in a couple of leagues last year, is definitely just shot forward again. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I think you know you have to be very confident in, in drafting this player. Where I think a couple of weeks ago there was, a, you know, kind of a you know in, in the fantasy world there was definitely a feeling that Etienne was going to be the more valuable guy in terms of fantasy circles. That's not necessarily what what I thought or you thought. Um, if you remember, actually, I talked about that prop bet. I haven't gone and looked at that prop bet. I should do that uh, because I felt James Robinson yards were off to begin with. Uh, I'm guessing that line moved. Uh, hopefully the efficiency in the lines uh, does reflect that. But James Robinson's goes up a lot in the rankings as a result of this uh, injury at the end. And then, you know, before we go to the West, just the one thing I'll say about the uh, about the Titans is, you know, it looks like they're getting Julio and A.J. Brown on the field and having that dynamic duo at wide receiver ready to roll. And, uh, yeah, that's like a really, really important thing. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, uh, you know, if, if all of, if they have all of those weapons at full strength, uh, I think the Titans are going to be a difficult team to stop when they have the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, I think the most interesting thing here was, is, do we see an offense that looks the same? Uh, like, is the usage? Uh, look, I would argue that Derrick Henry is going to carry the ball a lot less than he did last year, uh, both because of what's going on in the wide receiver group. Also, he's probably got a little bit more depth behind him um, on the depth chart at running back. I, I do think, and I think you've pointed out that you thought Derrick Henry was a little bit of a risk uh, in, in terms of upside here uh, for, for his fantasy season. And remember, there's a shift in, in the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. We could see a, a very different offense this year and very different results. I think we've seen this already with uh, with Tannehill moving much higher, even though, by the way, he was easily a top 10 quarterback in fantasy last year. But he's definitely solidified himself in the rankings. So I'm just more curious to see how this kind of offense kind of plays out and, and how teams defend this offense as well. Yep, I, I agree with that. Do any other comments on the South or are we ready to talk a little bit about the West? Uh, no, I could, we, we, could, we could definitely move on to the West. I'll, I'll start in the West, actually, because I, I think it's noteworthy with watching uh, Patrick Mahomes out there uh, playing nearly an entire half, uh, despite his status as an elite player. You know, Andy Reid has always kind of believed in that, and, and we certainly saw that. Tyreek Hill was a little nicked up, but Travis Kelsey was out there. I'm still of the belief, Wiz, that in watching that game the other night with the Chiefs playing, I still think... I would ra- if you're asking me, I would rather own somebody like Pringle than Hardman. That's just me. And Pringle was very active in that offense as well. We're still looking kind of for a, a, a second banana in this offense at the receiver position after Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has had a propensity to get injured as well. So I'm watching. I'm watching that dynamic between those th- that receiving group. But to me, the guy that I'd rather have. I know. I know Hardman creates a little bit more of the excitement. I think. I think. Uh, I think Byron Pringle is going to be the guy. That you're going to want to own in this offense. 
Yeah, and then as far as the Chiefs are concerned, I thought the big news was, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire having a bit of an ankle uh, injury, and they weren't quite sure. Andy Reid kind of said he didn't think it was a high ankle sprain, but I don't know. I'm starting to get more and more concerned about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and him having just a lion's share of the carry as he heads into his sophomore season because there's a real level of trust with Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson is a guy that I've liked uh, since he got into the league and just hasn't gotten that chance. But, boy, he looks dynamic every time I see him play. It's like, what is he doing? Is he not doing well? Is he not picking up uh, blitz packages or, uh, you know, when he's on the field? Is he not understanding uh, certain things? It, it just leaves me kind of like scratching my head a little bit as far as Thompson is concerned. But, you will also have a little bit of doubt now about Clyde Edwards-Alaire where the Chiefs are going to say, look, you know, there's no way we're going to rely on any one running back and kind of moves Clyde Edwards-Alaire down a little bit. What do you think? I remember McKinnon is also here, right? I'm McKinnon as well, yes. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to do with Alaire. I think, I think a lot of people have tried to move him up a little bit and kind of talked him up for this upcoming season. Uh, but I, you know, I still don't have faith in him as a as a as a kind of a uh, in the red zone or near the goal line. I don't have a lot of faith in that player. Uh, you and I talked about this a lot last year. We thought he was going to be a player that they were going to utilize out of the backfield more in passing patterns. But here you got to you, you know you mentioned Thompson. I mentioned McKinnon. Both of these guys are are are, are pretty good at receiving ball too. I don't know. You could be looking at much more of a divvied up workload. I'm going to probably say for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be kind of a running back that I probably shy away from uh, in, in most of my leagues, depending on the price or where he's going in an auction draft. Yeah, and then I, I felt uh, the biggest news out of the West was Denver announcing today that they're going to go with Teddy Bridgewater as their starter. Um, I'm not quite sure about the ramifications of that with their other offensive players. Um I'd like to see Colton Sutton on the field watching him play. Uh, I would imagine that, it, you know, Noah Font just kind of helps. Uh, you know, this is, you know, he's kind of running the routes that Bridgewater likes to throw. I think the one guy that, you know, someone like KJ Hamlin or Colton Sutton would probably be better off if Drew Locke was in there. But I'm not sure what it does to the other players. But were you surprised that Bridgewater won that job outright? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised. I am. I, I am surprised. I, I think if we look at Bridgewater at the end of last season and what happened in Carolina, like th- that offense just hit a wall. Uh, and he comes to this offense where you and I both feel there's a lot of talented skill set positions. We know Cortland Sutton's coming back. We like Noah Font. Jerry Judy would, could never really get on the same page as Locke on a consistent level. And there are weapons in this offense. And, you know, Bridgewater, highly efficient in terms of, uh, in terms of his completion percentage. But putting the ball in the end zone was something that definitely lacked last year and, and part of the reason why the Carolina Panthers decided to move on. So Fangio going with this, I know he's got a much improved defense. I guess, I, I don't know, like I guess when you look at the situation last year with the the confidence in, in Locke and the fact that he turn, turns the ball over as much as he did, I, I just think he felt that going with a veteran like Bridgewater was the safer route. Yeah, that, that that appears to be so. Look, you know, you don't know how it's going to play out. You, you know, the the they just it just seems like a situation that it could just be a game or two, and they could switch, they could switch back. It, it just seems 
overall in a, in a two quarterback league, it's just that kind of a situation to avoid. And then the, the one other thing I just wanted to just mention is, you know, Donald Parnham is, is getting a lot of good write-ups oh, yeah. uh, as far as uh, <laughs> the Chargers go. And uh, I know it's somebody that you've been talking up uh, even as, re- you know, as, as far back as last year. Uh, I know I had him, uh, you know, is, um, you know, we had sleepers in the, in the draft Kings and he was a guy that we were looking at constantly. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's just one of these guys. And if he gets the opportunity with Herbert, um, you know, there, there could be some noise, you know, we've talked about the, this tight end position basically all spring and summer about how many guys there were from 12 to 20 that could move up in the top 10 at the end of the year. And, uh, Boy, if Quantum got the chance, uh, I can see myself uh, having him in some leagues. There's no yeah, question about that. Yeah, I, I don't have faith in Jared Cook at this point in his career. He's a lot older. You know, you you've mentioned a number of times before, especially the last few seasons in New Orleans, where. Uh, he was just incredibly touchdown dependent. And, you know, it's an older player. He's 34 years old now. So Jared Cook's better days are behind him. And Parham, uh, former uh, basketball player at Stetson, uh, big guy. And by the way, it was not only not only Parham, but but there's just a number of intriguing big bodies. And and, and I think Mike Will, Mike Williams, outside of that first year, uh, has really disappointed injuries, inconsistency. But, you know, Guyton last year, Johnson at times last year. I know Josh Palmer also uh, drafted at Tennessee. It definitely caught a touchdown in the last preseason game. I, I just think there's some very interesting battles uh, that are going on after Keenan Allen at, and Mike Williams at the receiver position. And as you mentioned, you know, everybody's talking up Parham's performance, Parham's performance uh, uh, at, at preseason practices this year as, as a player to be looked at and, and definitely a guy that – you know, I hope to see get opportunity this season. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, we'll certainly have to see it plays out how it plays out. And I know the Chargers uh, once upon a time had another tight end who started off as a basketball player. Uh, he turned out to be a pretty good football player, Antonio Gates. So uh, we'll see if Quantum uh, is able to follow those footsteps in any way. But as far as I'm concerned, yeah, that's pretty much a wrap as far as the AFC. Uh, I was concerned. Anything you wanted to add on your beloved Raiders or uh, nothing to speak of? No, I, it looks like Darren Waller is actually getting back on, on the field. I, I think the one interesting note, the one thing that I did worry about that certainly seems to be put to rest, um, I think he celebrated his fourth year sober, uh, which we've talked about again on this podcast about the miraculous turnaround in his life. Um, you know, I just... Thankfully, there's nothing going on. I think, look, they're, they're treating their key offensive weapon um, a little with a little bit more caution. I think, you know, you can feel confident that, that Darren Waller will be the key ingredient uh, in this offense and, and feel free to draft him uh, with either your second or your third tight end, uh, depending on who you like between him and Kittle. There's no question about that. That entire passing offense is going to run through Darren, Darren Waller. There's a big, big drop-off to the next target share of guys and I'll be honest, I, I don't trust anything I'm hearing or seeing uh, about that, the usage, any of that. I don't trust any of it. Uh, I just know that, you know, Darren Waller is the player on that offense that I'll either have or I will not be having any Raiders on my team because, you know, what your viewpoint is of talent is one thing. You know, he, he just will never find out if, if Renfro it could be an elite slot receiver. He just is never going to give him the opportunity. Yeah. Then they talk about they're paying John Brown all his money, and he's the fourth receiver. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that for one second. So 
we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. But like, I'm with you, you know, Waller is a top three tight end. It's personal preference where you want to take him. If you prefer Kittle, you prefer Waller. But uh, as far as me and my fantasy outlook is concerned, I'll either have Waller or I won't have any Raiders. Uh, if you remember, Wiz, too, a couple of years ago when we owned Waller, when he was basically a $1 player in auction leagues and, and kind of a non-entity when it came to snake drafts. And in that year, he, he had over 1,000 yards. He had a lot of catches, but they didn't utilize him in the red zone. I think he only had two touchdowns that year. But still, he was a he was a distinct uh, factor when it came to fantasy circles at the tight end position. And last year they made sure that they got that player, the ball uh, in the red zone. So and we, I can see, I continue to see that happening for the Raiders. Well, yeah, how could you not? I mean, but when they had the biggest put down of the entire year, he was on the bench. So oh. again, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, you, there's nothing that you could say negative about that wall. He's, just a terrific guy, a humble guy, and, and, and just a, a great tight end. No, and the so guy, by the way, the guy that I'm going to continue to pound is John Gruden because John Gruden, you know, you and you know, I watched a lot of Raider games last year because I had a vested interest in it. But th- th- that 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 offense and the play calling was just one of the more mysterious things. I, I think they did a terrible job. I think John Gruden, I think maybe the game has passed him by uh, in terms of his uh, his ability in, in today's offense. And, yeah, I, I just question what they're doing because I do think they have some talent. He's over there calling Brian Edwards looks like Terrell Owens in practice. I mean, come on, guys. You know, let, let's, let's slow it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to that point, you know, they, had, they took the first overall receiver ahead of – you know, you know Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson. You know some C.D. Lamb. He took Henry Ruggs, and I'll tell you, if the Raiders have another clunker, you may see these guys back on ESPN and the NFL Network, uh, respectively. <laughs> if, uh, if the Ra- if the Raiders, you know, you may see them, but they may they may be commentators instead of coaches and general manager. If the Raiders don't get things going, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it works out, but. Uh, there's a there's a there's a lot of stuff happening on a daily basis now. So, uh, yeah, getting getting fired up, and uh, yeah, we're getting really close to the uh, start of our drafts. Okay. Yep. Do you want do you want to move on to the uh, NFC here, or do you want to just end it here and we'll we'll yeah, talk? Yeah, we'll do the separate. Yeah, we'll do the separate. We got I think like over. Yeah, we go to we'll 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 do finish this up, and then we'll do another one with the NFC. All right. Fantastic. Wiz uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing. Getting closer to the season. Wiz and I are amped up. A lot to talk about here. We'll be back with the NFC very shortly. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a good one, Wiz. See you in a bit. You as well.